Five o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In five, four, three, two, one. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Beasties, huh? Like it. Did I get that right, Ben? You got it. Okay. We're getting Tom. the chorus here in a middle bit, a little bit, right? Ah, here we go. All right, I thought so. Good Byram with the old school beats. Uh, hey, Ben. I'd ask how you are, but I, you, you seem a little testy over your Hornets. Yeah, tough so. night, tough night. Yeah, not good. Same old Hornets. You root so hard for our teams here in North Carolina. They they, they let you down. They always let me down. They let you down. Tell you who has not let you down, your Canes. They go for a uh, 2-0 series lead in the divisional round tonight of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Hey, welcome in. Uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. The big news for today. And I would, I would assume this is sort of breaking news, wouldn't you? That uh, that the NCAA has come to their senses. We were just talking about this yesterday, weren't we, Ben? Yeah. Right here on this very show, the NCAA has now decided that they're going to go forth, and, and if a state is allowing 100% capacity, in other words, they're going to go with whatever the state is doing. So I went on this really thoughtful, and, and I thought brilliant, to be quite frank with you, soliloquy yesterday about how the NCAA broad brushes everything. They don't have the ability to pivot or have nuance. And I'll be daggone if they didn't prove me wrong. How about that? So there you go. Uh, NCAA announcing that they're going to allow, uh, in the case of uh, North Carolina, maskless, full capacity uh, for uh, NCAA regionals and softball regionals as well uh the big uh here and now is what's going to happen with um clark leclerc stadium one of the 20 potential sites very likely a regional host site so that means a lot more folks will get let in that's big that's big were you surprised uh, a little bit a little bit and at first before we talked on air i didn't see why it would be much of an issue but when you kind of broke it down it made sense but hey that's all out the window now. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter. It's, it's over and done. What I was breaking down was the NCAA's thinking. And I'm not saying what they were thinking was, but look, I, I'm, I'm as impressed as the next guy. I think it's really interesting the, the NCAA has decided to, to do this. Now, is it a matter of ECU has to allow 100% capacity or what's, what's the deal now? Or is it just automatically 100% capacity at Clark LeClaire? Well, it's whatever the local or state regulations are. In other words, the NCAA, in case you haven't been following this, had said regardless of what your what your state is doing, what your local municipality is doing, in some cases what your university is doing, we're only going to allow 50% max capacity for all rounds of the postseason for baseball and softball. So any regional, super regional, or World Series would only be held with 50% capacity. That now, 
not a good whistle on my part. That is out the door. That is out the door now. And so if your state, as in the case of North Carolina, is allowing full capacity for outdoor events, there you go. So it's my understanding, at least, full capacity. Yeah, I didn't, permissible. I didn't know if they still had their own set of guidelines because I know students, when they come back to class, they still have to wear masks. So I didn't well, know if is, they were going to have their I, own guidelines set right. together. Well, that's, that is for indoors, and that's a university thing. Now, does that mean if you're inside of uh, the press box, you may have to wear a mask? I don't know. To be honest with you, Ben, that's a good question. If you're going to be in one of the suites watching the games, is that considered indoors? Technically, yes, it is. But I hear what you're saying about the students of the university. Now, I understand that is only going to go through the end of June, and that maybe after July that changes. Yeah, they're going to reevaluate. Like I think the thirtieth of June. So. so basically, after the July Fourth break, you'll come if you're coming back for a second. So, and I don't know how the sessions work anymore. Do the Used to be July 4th, if I recall, was the cutoff. You know, you had your first session, and then you kind of started your second session after July, and it was a pretty quick session. Um, I, I don't know how that works now. I haven't been in college in a gazillion years. Uh, for part of this uh, release today by the NCAA, the effectiveness and prevalence of vaccinations in our country have allowed the medical advisory group to provide this guidance that has tremendous impact on student-athletes, coaches, and fans attending NCAA championships. Uh, the spokesperson, spokesman, spokes hack continued. It's still important for anyone attending championships to remember common sense like hand-washing, hand sanitation, and proper etiquette when coughing or sneezing. There you go. Now, if, again, you're in a place like California, I don't think they're opening things back up till mid-June. I saw Stanford was only going to have 200 in attendance. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but, you know, Charlotte is a possibility. A lot of the other possibilities looks like you're good to go. I don't know what Washington State is like because I've seen Gonzaga as a possibility to host. And I, I don't know how, how loony they are in Washington State over this. My guess is it's a lot like the, uh, like North Carolina and Texas and like a lot of, there's a, there's an urban rural divide. What's going on in Seattle is not necessary. And, and the college town Spokane and, and college towns is not exactly what's probably going on in any town USA there in Washington. Well, they got one of the looniest cities in the U S and Portland. So you never know. Oh, that's right. They are. Well, no, no, they're in Spokane, Washington. They're in, they're not in Oregon. They're in uh, Washington. They're close ah, they to might Oregon. as well be the same. But Oregon, but I think Oregon State aren't they in the in the running or one of the Oregon schools are, are in that twenty Oregon Oregon team is. list. Oregon is. Well, I mean that's a, you know that's a college town. That's a so I mean that's a good point there. That you're probably not going to get a whole lot of you know whatever the local ordinance is. It's going to be the rule of the day. They can have as many as they want. But and I, and look, I'm not versed in what's going on. Uh, California obviously makes more headlines than usually Washington or Oregon do, uh, but they, they may not even get a, a right to host. So it may not matter. So we'll see. Uh, there was a new from uh, D one baseball. There was a new list that was put out, had the pirates as a number 12 national seat. How are you feeling about that? Ben? I think that's fair. I mean, I, I can't, 
I can't argue that they need to be lower or higher. I mean, I think that's about right. I kind of get the sense that that is uh, that gives you a little make or break, don't you? Give the Pirates a chance to sort of move up, but they they could fall back. Yeah, uh, they are the twelve seed. They'd be the number one seed in the Greenville Regional. Uh, and boy, this is quite a region. By the way, they would oppose the Tucson, Arizona Regional, which the number five national seed, Arizona, out of the Pac-12, also features Oklahoma State, Fairfield, and Grand Canyon. Uh, the Greenville Regional, of course, has ECU as the top seed. The number two seed, South Carolina. That just That seems like that's going to happen, doesn't it? Oh, that would be tough. That's scary they, right there. They seem married. It seems like those two have been married for the last month as far as going to be together somehow. Uh, Virginia, who's you know had an okay year but not a great year, but is a dangerous, well-coached team as we know. The Cavaliers are checking in at the third seed. And then Campbell. Gosh, Campbell's so pesky, aren't they? They're always a thorn in ECU's side. They always have our number. And they've got Campbell back in the regional. Look, Campbell loves to beat ECU. That is a Super Bowl. We, we joke a lot that it's so-and-so Super Bowl. That is a Super Bowl, or in this case, World Series situation to the Camels. They consider ECU big brother in that deal. Uh, I guess move, room to maneuver forward. You know, Gainesville Regional, where Florida's hosting, is ahead of them. And then the aforementioned Eugene Regional with Oregon. They're going to send uh, Pittsburgh, Stony Brook, and Indiana out to Oregon, according to D1 Baseball. Yikes. Uh, I have not checked out, or at least I haven't looked at it since this morning, the uh, Baseball America projection, so I can't with confidence tell you how similar or not that is. But uh, by and large, you're looking at states that are going to probably take advantage of this 100% capacity or pretty darn close. Uh, you know, a lot of southeastern states in there. Again, you really can't say what Oregon is going to do, and it's kind of hard to say what Notre Dame is going to do. We've already determined that Stanford, who would be a 14 national seed according to D1 Baseball, is going to uh, essentially only allow a, a sparse few hundred in. But look, it's better than anything Duke had been doing. Uh, Duke, by the way, got a new AD today. I guess she'd been working with Kevin White at Notre Dame and then at uh, at Duke. So in other words, Krzyzewski said, I'll let her be the AD, right? Knows maybe they'll allow some people in though. Uh, yeah, probably. I, you know, the, the the Duke thing again. There's a lot of pressure there because of the medical side, and that's really driven a lot of their athletics decisions. Is is Duke hospitals, Duke medicine. But uh, there you go. That's a that's a stout regional, Ben. If it if it holds true to come to grin, and usually I find D1 baseballs, you know, fairly. Fairly accurate when it gets down to kind of nut-cutting time, which is what we're getting near here. In other words, they're pretty good about pinning this thing down. You know, maybe two months ago, not so much. But, you know, I think they, they get it right as we get a little closer to, to game time. Here. I got Baseball America's pulled up, and the only difference they have is that they have Old Dominion coming and uh, North Carolina, UNC. So. so where do they have the Tar Heels seated? Third. Okay, and they have ODU second? Yep. See, ODU's pretty good. ODU's had a, a heck of a year. Who do they have as the fourth? Campbell? Campbell. Okay. Like I said, I, 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 did, I checked that out this morning. I couldn't find it anywhere, and I, I just really, until now, forgot about looking at it again. So good job there, Ben, to pull that. But uh, in some ways, I kind of find that to be a little more palatable 
of a regional. Yeah, I favor that one a little bit more than the uh, D1. <laughs> and, they, and they have the Pirates, what, 12th is the overall 12th 11th, seed? 11th. 11th. So they would be paired up with who? Who's the sixth seed? Notre Dame. Okay. So that seems to be kind of in line there. So, you know, Pirates go to Arizona. Pirates go to Notre Dame. Two good programs. Two programs have had a great year. I, I'm not sure how great Notre Dame is, though. Might like that matchup a little more. But you go to South Bend, and then who knows what they're going to allow on campus. The state of Indiana is going to allow full capacity or more capacity in, but who knows what they're going to do at Notre Dame and uh, and do there on campus and what their local deal is. Again, that's a college town, and, and even though Indiana is by and large a conservative state, you know, Indianapolis and uh, where Notre Dame is are, are generally – Bloomington as well, you know, these these college towns are generally a little more liberal, obviously, or a lot more liberal than the rest of the state. Um, all right, we'll pause, get a break here. We got uh, some more comments from Cliff Godwin. They're going to talk about the starting pitching for the weekend. We've got Pirate Baseball coming your way tomorrow. Doubleheader action beginning at 1. Uh, the first two games of the series against USF, and then uh, Friday, 3 o'clock, first pitch for Game 3 of the series. Saturday will be Game 4 of the series this weekend, and then the Pirates will make their way from uh, the Tampa area to Clearwater, pretty short drive there, and that's where they will set up in the team hotel ahead of the conference tournament, uh, which will be played. We'll give you some info on that ticket situation there, although I think now that uh, ECU is, it's been deemed by the NCAA going to uh, kind of open things up and allow full capacity for these regional sites. I think a lot of Pirate fans now who maybe were thinking about making that trip because it's, it's not a big big money ticket. The, the money comes with taking the trip. It doesn't come with the ticket so much. Uh, they may now pull back on that and stay here instead of going down to Florida unless they really want to go or they've already got their tickets and, and they don't want to eat that cost. I think a lot of Pirate fans now are going to stay put with the intent of going to the regional should ECU get there. I, I had heard some, you know, and, and some people telling me and just murmurs that not they were going to have some huge crowd down in Florida, but they were – they were trying to get down there, a lot of fans were, because they felt like that might be the only chance for certain fans to get a chance to see them play in person this year the last time. So a lot of folks were planning the trip to Clearwater. So we'll give you some of that information in a bit. That'll be part of our pirate report. Uh, you want to do a little bow time here, Ben? I think we should. Let's do it. Final final show of the week, so uh, let's do a little bow time. It is uh, for Bow Jangles. If you are caller three today at 252-561-GAME, 252-561-4263, caller three will be a winner of our Bojangles gift card for today. Good stuff there. Uh, we'll be back more fun and frivolity on the PJ Show ahead. Videos, articles, and what's going on in the Pirate Nation. I thought that's what Facebook updates were for. Like and comment on 94.3 The Game's Facebook page right now. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up on 94.3 The Game and 94.3thegame.com. Your home of the ECU Pirates, Clay Travis, Dan Patrick, and Adam Gold. Hashtag lots of options. 94.3 The Game, Eastern Carolina's home for sports. You're looking at a big sports fan right here. And now, back to the P-Man. The Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. It was a beautiful day. Sun beat down. I had the radio on. Uh, it was a beautiful day today. Really lovely. 
Uh, looking at a low of 56 tonight. Patchy fog that'll burn off mid to late morning and then a high of 88 tomorrow. A little backdoor uh, cold front. I think that's the term. 83 sun Friday and then 89 Saturday. 93 Sunday. And then they're looking at a day next week, Ben, where we could be at 97. It's not even Memorial Day yet. I'll be sweating gravy. Bojangles gravy. Jesus, already got enough sun already. <laughs> Starting to peel there. Uh, Bojangles serving up their delicious chicken fixings and breakfast biscuits all day long in store or through the drive-thru. If you're ready for some comfort food, it's bow time. They bring you our forecast today. Uh, Jason in Snow Hill was the big Bojangles gift card winner. Thanks for listening. Thanks for calling, Jason. Uh, congratulations to you. Thank you, Patrick. Big moment here, you know. It's your the floor is yours. I like to if you if you call in and, and bother to do so, even though we're incentivizing you, I, I feel like you should get a little moment in the sun here, kind of like Ben had this weekend. He got a lot of sun, but uh, yeah, give me yeah. Okay. So it, it, the floor is yours. You got a question? You can ask me. Ask Ben. Ben's a man about town. You might learn something or, or just make a statement. Go ahead, Jason. Well, I went to school with Cliff, and uh, I always listen to y'all ball game. Y'all do a great job. And I always listen to your program, and uh, can't tell you how much we appreciate what y'all are doing for us in Eastern North Carolina. Well, and, that's kind uh, of you to say. You're, you could say you could stay as long as you want on the phone now, as far as I'm concerned. Well, no, I, I, I appreciate that, Patrick. Yeah, I'm not a <laughs> really butt kisser. I just uh, state what the truth is. <laughs> well, thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. What else you got? Nothing. I just look forward to the uh, ECU doing a great job at USF this weekend. And I uh, hope we can pull it through, and I'm sure we cliff at the helm, we can uh, get there. So what year did you graduate from there? I graduated in 93. Okay. So you were a little ahead of, like, the grade Cliff and I were in, right? Yeah. Just one, okay. I think it was a year, maybe two years ahead of Cliff. All right. You know, I'm, I have a lot of friends in Greene County, you know. A lot of friends. The Harris well, they Brothers. Don't talk about you much, Patrick. I know, I know. Well, you're, it's, a, it's, it's a seedy group. It depends on what circles you're running in, and you seem like a pretty straight up guy, Jason. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I've run, I ran with some shady characters back in, like the Ebb and Kukachu and all that. Some real shady characters back in the day. So, uh, yeah, and they're all real I people. It. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love me some Green County, as you know. All right, hey, uh, Jason. Thanks a lot, man. We appreciate your kind words. Congratulations, uh, and enjoy that Bojangles. You can go over that one right there. Uh, at the corner, I don't know the the road. Fifty eight and two fifty eight and something. Uh, there, right there. Yeah, right, right there. That Bojangles there. You, I believe you can use that there. You're in good shape. So, all right. Thanks a lot, Jason. Thank you. Go Pirates. All right, there he goes. It's a good way to get on, Ben. Is you know, talk about how great I am. I don't know how accurate his his statement is about that. I'm, uh, you know, not not the man about town with. The folks in Greene County there, they love me in Greene County. All right, uh, let's uh, let's hit the uh, Pirate Report. Speaking of Cliff Godwin, some more comments we didn't get to yesterday from him, but we felt they were appropriate previewing the matchup against UCF this weekend. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. All right, Cliff Godwin saying, hey, the reason we got a victory in the series at Cincinnati last weekend, and the thing that we're going to have to have the rest of the year is guys out of the bullpen. The Danny Beals, the A.J. Wilsons, the Landon Gens. They, they need to step up. We know Bridges. We know what he's about, right, Ben? We know what he's about. 
You got Cooch Maynard in the pen. We know what he's about. And nothing new there. Nothing new. Okay. We know what Colmore is all about, a real battle-tested guy. But those three guys I mentioned are going to have to step up if the Pirates are going to make a run in the postseason. Cliff Godwin talking about as much earlier in the week. Well, I hope it gives them a lot of confidence. I really thought Landon uh, was just super confident, just attacking the strike zone. Danny and him, I think it, they went 14 up, 14 down um, in a tight game at on the road. So I thought that was huge for them to continue to go out there and do that. A.J. Wilson had a big, big weekend, too, coming in, getting some lefties out for us. So a lot of guys stepped up. Another guy that's had a heck of a season, I mean, it goes without saying, and he's asked about it a lot, and that's the Pirates' ace, and that is Gavin Williams. Uh, cut six on the vast soundbite roster today. Ben, Gavin Williams, in Cliff Godwin's words. Yeah, I've said this a lot. I mean, look, if it's not for Gavin Williams, I mean, he solidified the Friday night role for us and taking the ball once he got healthy, <clears throat> and kudos to him. And I haven't, I don't know if I've said this publicly or not, but Gavin Williams bet on himself by not – taking some money out of the professional draft. I did not twist his arm. Him and I had a discussion. He told me these were the things that he was looking for, and I made sure that he told the par his parents the same thing he told me. And I said, well, if this is what you're, you're saying, then make sure that you tell your parents, and then if it doesn't work out the way you want it to, then come back here and prove people that you can take the ball on Friday night and go out there. And I, I don't think he would have went out into professional baseball, and this is my personal opinion, and who am I? But if he'd have left last year, his, you know, repertoire pitches wouldn't be as good as they are right now. And he, they probably would have thrown him in the bullpen. But now he's proven to people that he can take the ball and go out there and throw five to seven innings and be lights out. And it's it's really special. You know, I definitely think people take it for granted. I do not take it for granted. Our coaches don't take it for granted. Our players don't take it for granted. But it is really like how Agnos was back in 19. And, you know, when they go out there, you got a really good chance to win the baseball game when they're pitching, and they would stack up against anybody in the country. I mean, Gavin could pitch anywhere, and Jake could too, So, as a lot of our pitchers. But to take the ball on Friday night, people don't understand how important that is to because you're matching up against everybody else's number one, and Gavin's done an unbelievable job doing that. Imagine that you're Ben Byram, and I know, folks, it's an exciting proposition, isn't it? And you – Hey, you, geez. <laughs> I got no complaints. I like my life. <laughs> I snorted. I'm sorry. I didn't know if you were going to pick up on that. I, sometimes I think you ignore me. And so I, th I thought I'd slip that one in. But let's just imagine you're bid buying for a moment. You're the, you're the producer, not only of Greenville's top sports show, top show at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. I mean, you know, that's no small taters. But you're also the guy who is uh, – kind of the lead producer for for pirate baseball you're doing the scoreboard you're doing the whole that's a big 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 deal for a young guy like ben right you love it when gavin williams is on the hill because that thing's gonna zip right along more often than not isn't it ben yeah yeah and i actually <laughs> can't say the same for the weekends i've had some well, pretty long ones well you know it's a funny game that baseball but i'll tell you uh coach godwin's spot on there if Gavin had declared himself for the pro, he'd have probably got drafted, even though the draft was, you know, a short, uh, a shorter term thing last year. If, if he'd gone, if he got picked up, even though it was fewer rounds, he would have wound up in somebody's bullpen. 
And he probably would have developed eventually, but it would have taken him longer. He is more ready-made to be a contributor. Don't you think, Ben? I mean, he's ready to he's more ready-made to, to, to start in professional baseball now than come out of the pen. And that's because he decided to come back this year. I mean, the strikeouts speak for itself. I mean, oh, how, sure. how many games this year where it's been seven to ten strikeouts in, what, five or six innings? I mean, that's that's insane. That's It makes, makes my job a lot easier for sure. It's pretty dominant stuff, and it's fun to watch when he's on a roll. Uh, this is coach on the starting rotation for USF this weekend. Now, uh, well, let's, let's play the cut, and then I'll tell you what I picked up on on this. Gavin Williams will pitch at some point in time. Carson Wisenhunt will pitch at some point in time. Um, Tyler Smith will pitch at some point in time. After that, I got no idea. So we're going to figure it out on the fly, see how guys feel. Um, look, we're going down there to win. We're not going down there to, to throw off. I mean, we're playing for something, but I just don't know how it's going to stack up right now. Uh, we're going to continue to see how guys feel and how their bullpens go and all that good stuff. I, that doesn't. I don't know if Gavin's necessarily starting to, uh, tomorrow in game one. What do you think? Why, why would you say that? Well, he said at some point in time. Plus, he's he wants to have him set up because because here's the other thing he said yesterday. Tuesday's going to be a bullpen day in the conference tournament. They're going to play like a midweek bullpen game, right? Coach said as much yesterday. So. I'm not so sure they're not going to have Gavin Williams set up for to be able to throw next Thursday, which maybe you, that's why you do start him tomorrow. But I just thought it was interesting you said at some point in time. And maybe that was maybe a little more meant for some of the other guys, but, you know. I, I, I don't know. I wouldn't look too far into it. I mean, he even said yesterday he's prioritizing a regular season championship over and a conference said, championship. So why not? Why would you not start him? And he said it as much there. You're, you're correct. I'm just... I'm f- I'm feeding the content machine, Ben. Okay, I got you. Getting people worked con- up. I'm feeding the content. No wonder he said that about you when it came to Green County. Working those people up over there. This is Coach Godwin claiming he doesn't worry much, and we've heard this before, about scouting opponents. I don't worry about the other team. Yeah, I go watch all the pitchers and give the hitters information and Deets and AK and Jeff watch the – uh, offensive side of the ball for South Florida, but we're worried about ourselves. Like if we go out there and execute what we do, then we feel like we're in pretty good shape. And that comes from John Wooden. You know, don't overly concern yourselves with other opponents. Overly concern yourself with yourself and what you're doing to execute. And if you execute at a high level of what you're good at, then the rest will take care of itself. I, I think a lot of teams get caught up in – who they're playing, what they're doing, and all that, and and we get caught up in ourselves, and and that's why we've been able to to this point sustain a lot of consistency in our program is because we worry about ourselves. We don't worry about the other stuff that we can't control. Uh, good stuff there from uh, Cliff Godwin. Uh, also, if you are planning on heading down to Clearwater, and I, again, I, I don't know if as many people were. You know, there are a few Pirate fans that were going to make those plans because it would have given them before the NCAA made this move today, they're only shot to see ECU potentially in person the last time this year, possibly. And again, that was before the NCAA made this move today, which was the right move. Uh, but the park down there is now called Baycare Park. It's still there in Clearwater. Same park as the Spectrum Field. Uh, but tickets uh, shouldn't be a problem there. It's not a big, highly attended event. But you could pay 36 bucks to get a pass for the whole tournament. 
So, I mean, if you want to go down to Florida, I mean, plenty of good seats available. You'll get a great hotel rate, I'm sure, down there. Good weather. Florida's been wide open. Of course, North Carolina is now, but Florida's totally been wide open. Make a vacation out of it. Well, that's what I'm saying. I do think you'll maybe see a few more ECU fans there than you have in the past. Just because a lot of them haven't been able to see the team in person this year. And by and large, I mean, you know, I did that drive for years and years. It's a tough drive. Much easier if you're flying, but it's expensive. Um, you know, that's a that's a pretty good trip. Getting down into Tampa, if you like, you said, kind of make a little little vacation of it. And I'm sure you can get tickets, even if the Pirates advance to into the weekend. You'll if you decide you want to go, you'll be able to get tickets. But, I mean, why not? And if you, if the Pirates win, you get some days off. Go to Clearwater Beach. It's gorgeous there. I love the Gulf Coast. Uh, ben Byram right now uh, with an update. Brian Mull in the offing. Uh, we've got another major this weekend, the PGA Championship, so we'll discuss that. It's here in the Carolinas, the lesser, South Carolina, but it is at least it's close to Charleston. Pretty cool town. Uh, ben Byram with an update, then we'll go to Brian Mull here on the PJ Show. Ben, what do you got for us? Plenty to talk about, Patrick. Of course, we'll start with the news from the NCAA as they've had a change of heart when it comes to capacity limits, when it comes to baseball regionals and onward. NCAA announced that local and state guidelines will guide capacity limits for baseball and softball postseasons, meaning that Clark LeClaire Stadium can now have 100% capacity. They also announced that masks and social distancing is no longer required at ballparks. Moving on to Pirate football, freshman defensive end Jason Romero Jr. has been dismissed from the program following repeated violations of the team's rules. Romero had previously been suspended the majority of the spring due to rule violations. Ramirez since tweeted that he was thankful thankful for his time here and that he will enter the transfer portal. From EC Women's Basketball, head coach Kim McNeil's added four transfers in Clemson's Danae McNeil, Tyler Bennett, Virginia Tech's Deja, Deja Green, and Kansas's Brittany Franklin. Meanwhile, Duke is a new athletic director following the retirement of former AD Kevin White. Senior Deputy AD Nina King has now been promoted as the new AD. And tonight, the Carolina Hurricanes continue their postseason run as they'll face off the Nashville Predators at 8. The Canes currently lead the series one game to none. The Canes are reportedly sticking with Alex Ndelkovic in the net, while the Predators are expected to do the same and go to UC Soros once again. That's going to do it for your 94th through the game sports update. I'm Ben Barham. Great price. Pirate football lives on game days right here. Here we go. On the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. 94-3, the game. Coming up this weekend, we'll have a second major of the uh, year. PGA Championship being played close by. Uh, to uh, North Carolina, relatively speaking. Kiowa Island Ocean Course. Brian Mull from the Caddy Network, other outlets. He covers golf. He joins us telephonically here for a preview. Hello, Brian. Hi, Patrick. Very excited about our guy. Friend of the show, ECU golf alum. And uh, now uh, broadcaster with the worldwide leader, John McGinnis. Going to be covering uh, on ESPN. Isn't that great? Great opportunity. If uh, you happen to be one of the people who subscribes to ESPN Plus, as I know a lot of people do for basketball coverage, and it's a year-round deal, they they will have coverage wall-to-wall from 7 a.m. to 1 p.m. on ESPN Plus, and then uh, the rest of the day on the actual 
network and John will be featured in both from what I understand and good for him. A lot of walking for John this week, though. Um, <laughs> tough walk out there, Kayla. A lot of sand. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm just I'm glad the gas uh, crises uh, this week's crisis du jour has abated, and uh, John has been able to gas up and get down there. So we're all uh, we're all pulling for him this weekend. Uh, Curtis Strange too, and uh, of course Curtis will be invo- involved with the Blue Rock. We might see more of Curtis Strange if he just didn't have other interests off the course. Wouldn't you say? <laughs> Curtis would much rather have a fishing pole and uh, perhaps a cold adult beverage than uh, <laughs> be anywhere near a golf course. I think at this point in his life, but as a uh, as, as a two-time U.S. Open champion and legend uh, that he is, uh, he certainly uh, his his insight is, is appreciated when he when he chooses to offer it. He, he's really good. I, I think when you talk about golf uh, analysts, Curtis Strange is extremely underrated. He does not get his due. Do you agree with that statement? He, Curtis is from the old school, you know, uh, and uh, the, the the real old school, you know, uh, Sam Snead protege in some ways, he and Lanny Watkins both being from Virginia. And, uh, you know, Curtis uh, has – certainly seen the game change uh, immensely. I mean, he was playing with Persimmon and, and Blade Irons on a spinny ball when he came on tour, and, and he, he gets it. You know, he was always one of the toughest competitors and understands those things have never changed, what it takes to win a golf tournament, especially a major championship. And, and it's, uh, you know, once you've experienced that, it's, it's great to have someone like, you know, who, who can share it with, with viewers and kind of get inside the players' brains. Yeah, he's great. I but, like it. But as you say, he'd rather be deep sea fishing any day of the week. <laughs> There's no doubt. <laughs> uh, our guy Brian Mull with us uh, here, uh, Patrick Johnson Show. You have felt the wrath. You have felt the wrath of Keo Island. She can turn on you quickly. Beautiful, 75, sunny, light breeze, strolling along, and then bam, you're right there on the ocean and a little weather squall can pop up and the golf course becomes borderline unplayable, even for these guys with their incredible talent, just especially those, those holes on the back nine, 14 through 18, coming back toward the clubhouse. Alice died. Pete's wife said, Hey, let's elevate the green, the tees and the greens here above the dune Ridge so that the players can get a good view of the ocean. Well, that was a great idea. Thank you, Alice. But, of course, that exposes them even more so to the wind (laughs) (laughs) and brings all of the many hazards that that, that dot those holes into play and and the bunkers and the runoffs and certainly uh, just watching some of the – listening to the players and the early footage and, uh, you know, it it, it can change quickly there. I've been watching the weather forecast all week, and and that changes almost hourly. In other words, they don't know. So you just kind of have to be prepared that you could get caught in a stretch of, you know, certainly uh, playable conditions, if, if you will, but uh, scoring conditions, not not at all. There, there's stretches where you're just going to have to hang on, and bogey's not a bad score on some of those holes. We got Brian Mull with us uh, here. Um, the course, what, 7,800 yards? It's long, yes. Yeah. The, the, I mean, the, I, I don't think that's kind of the 7,870, I think, is the, what it could play, but, but at Kiowa Ocean, more than anywhere I've ever been, there are so many tee boxes on those holes. Like, you know, most golf courses you go to, there's three or four sets of tees. There, there's seven or eight tee boxes wow. and with all kinds of different angles. 
and Pete and I built this knowing what the direction the game was going, such a visionary in that regard. And so they can change, and they've told the players, on all but four holes, expect multiple tee boxes to be used, which really makes the preparation difficult and can change the way a hole plays dramatically from day to day. Uh, and also the wind direction is, you know, typically is they don't have a prevailing wind there. So you may play a 500-yard hole downwind one day and have a short iron to the green, and the next day not be able to reach the green. So it's going to be fascinating to, to watch the setup and how the players adjust. Yeah, I, I, I think it will be. And, you know, this is this one is, because of that fact you mentioned, uh, it is, uh, to me, almost a perfect course for a major in, in a lot of ways. I mean, you, you whoever wins this will be tested uh, and have, have really been battle-tested for the entire four days. You won't be able to hide any aspect of your game. I, I think, the, you know, in looking at the leaderboard from the 2012 PGA at Kiowa, Obviously, Rory's eight-shot victory stands out. But when you go a little deeper into the top ten, you had a, an interesting mix of players. A lot of European players are obviously comfortable playing in the wind and on a link-style golf course. Yeah, and you had shorter hitters, uh, guys like Tim Clark and Steve Stricker, Ian Poulter. Um, certainly none of them known for their power, but uh, guys that find the fairway and could putt. And then you had, you know, you had some longer hitters as well. Uh, Carl Peterson uh, at NC State grad and five-time tour winner tied for third that week and he was a really really good driver of the golf ball fairly long and extremely accurate in that period and I think that's what you're going to see I mean the guys that are having to scramble just it, they're not going to be able to keep up there's just too many opportunities to make it make a bogey and uh, I think the, the ball striking is going to be the guys that are on will 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 certainly uh, rise to the top of the leaderboard by Sunday afternoon Follow him on Twitter at BG Mall. Uh, Caddy Network's Brian Mall also covering golf for other outlets as well. Uh, you'll uh, read his work. Uh, just do the Google search and uh, you'll find it there. But the Caddy Network has him do uh, his uh, 25 sort of picks to click, if you will, with a few uh, notable uh, honorable mentions. This does change from, I guess, where you released it, but I, I would guess the grouping kind of remains the same. You like Rory, obviously, heading into the weekend, and then I saw where you tweeted earlier uh, today that all of a sudden now you're feeling really good about Jordan Spieth. So explain yourself. Well, I have a good feeling about Spieth. I mean, Rory, obviously, with an eight-shot victory there uh, nine years ago and then winning in Charlotte a couple of weeks ago, uh, he, he's the obvious favorite. And uh, nobody would be surprised if he played well again and won the golf tournament. I mean, he's won four majors and certainly has proven he's, he, he can do it. But Spieth has also won three. Uh, and, and I think has played as well consistently over the last three months as anyone in professional golf after, after really struggling for several years. And, you know, he didn't lose his talent along the way. He lost his confidence, but uh, he's worked through some things with his golf swing and his driver, which has been his biggest weakness has actually been one of his biggest strengths. And I, I don't think anyone will play well this week without driving it extremely well. And, and if the conditions do turn difficult, he, he, he thrives in those situations. I mean, he, he knows how to get the ball into the hole quickly and uh, certainly has, has putted extremely well at times this year, has that win under his belt at the Texas Open. So I just feel like there's going to be enough wind and, and, and the scores are, are not going to be crazy relative to par. Uh, I, I have a good feeling about, about Jordan Spieth being in the hunt and uh, com- being the sixth golfer ever to complete the career Grand Slam. Give me a um, 
Give me an, an idea of, of who else you like here, Brian. I mean, who, who else, if you're playing fantasy golf, would you line up behind this weekend? Well, there's some guys down a little bit deeper uh, who've been playing really well. There are going to be some popular picks, guys like Keegan Bradley, uh, Matt Wallace, who we shouted out a couple of weeks ago and then played really well at the Wells Fargo. Um, uh, Corey Connors has just been as – I mean, he's in a, probably the best tee to green player on the PGA Tour right now and a good putter and has been racking up top 20 and top 10 finishes all year. Victor Hovland, I think, is a steal in the fantasy games I've looked at. Uh, he, he's not in that elite tier. He's in the next tier. But, I mean, here's a guy that seems to finish top five every week. And it, he has won twice on past Palum grass, which is a rare sea, seaside saltwater tolerant grass that's not found at many golf courses. But both of his tour victories just so happened uh, in Puerto Rico and down in Mexico were on golf courses that had past Palum grass. So he's obviously very comfortable uh, potting and chipping. To, to this grass, which is a little different. And uh, I think I think he would be a guy that I would I would certainly target. And, and he'll be a popular pick as well. Um, Abraham answers another guy that I think will be overlooked, finished second in Charlotte, and has been just on a top 20 tear for the last two or three months. He'll be overlooked because he's not one of the longer hitters, but he's long enough, and he, and he just peppers the middle of the fairway and hits a lot of good iron shots. Um, and it's obviously – playing with a lot of confidence you know that was the one thing that Carl said to me that kind of stood out in our conversation was that you're not going to find your game there this week the golf course is too hard but he felt like guys who've been playing well uh you know they're confident and controlling their ball will be able to carry that over uh Brian Mull with this uh Caddy Network Kiowa Island uh the Kiowa Island Golf Resort uh near uh Charleston the greater Charleston area uh that is uh the site this week of the PGA Championship. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. This ought, this ought to be a lot of excitement uh, this weekend in a great field, as you would expect for for any uh, for any major. And uh, we understand the galleries uh, as, as things have opened back up, especially in South Carolina. The ticket sales have been pretty brisk. Pretty brisk, but 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 limited, I believe. I heard a. Uh, I was actually listening to Harold Varner's podcast uh, just a little while ago, and he had Kevin Kisner on, and Kisner was saying that he only got four tickets. And uh, that uh, his family's like his mom and wife's normal credential that works for PGA Tour events does not work PGA Championship. So he he said it's a pretty short list. You know, obviously he's a South Carolina guy and people are wearing him out for tickets and he simply doesn't have access to any. So that made him feel that it was it would be limited. And having been there in 2012, there there will be a lot of people congregated around the beautiful clubhouse there and the corporate tents in that area. But you can get out on the golf course because it's, it's two and a half miles out to some of the, the, the furthest point, farthest points. You, you can get out on the golf course and really watch some golf if you so choose there. Um, and, and I would, you know, anyone lucky enough to, to, to have a ticket, I would recommend just getting out and experiencing the golf course because yeah, it's, uh, well, it's, it, it's just, yeah. it, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. Hey, uh, the, uh, amateurs that are members of the PGA, uh, give us uh, any any names, any interesting stories in in that grouping. You mean the club pros? Yeah, the club um, pros. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's an interesting guy, uh, Patrick Rada. Um, he's the head pro at the MacArthur Club down in South Florida, but he served a little bit of. Uh, he's a University of South Carolina golfer uh, who spent uh, a couple of years in the in the shop as an assistant at Eagle Point, and this is his first time qualifying and. Uh, 
wasn't even I, I just had a baby and wasn't even sure he was going to be able to play. Uh, and he's the first guy off on Thursday. He gets the first tee shot of the tournament and uh, an accomplished player. But uh, I think this is the most if you if you would always want to qualify as one of those twenty guys. But I don't I don't foresee any of them being able to make the cut on this golf course. Right. This yeah. Is, this is for the, this is for the big boys. There's certain tournaments, certain PGAs where they've been able to compete, but. I just think this golf course is just too unrelenting. Would you agree, though, Brian, that that's one of the really cool things about this championship? I mean, the club pros get a chance to play. There's no question. Those are the back, those people are the backbone of the sport. That's who you call up when you need a lesson or who runs your tournaments or, or any of the daily operations at a golf course. That's the guy that you know that you, you go to dinner with and have a beer with, you know, at the end of the day or whatever. And um, for them to get an opportunity to perform on this stage, it's, it's it's very cool and uh, certainly uh, augments the event. Uh, Brian Mull, follow him online, uh, Caddy Network, uh, his Twitter, at BG Mull. Hey, Brian, great to uh, catch up with you. We appreciate it. Thanks, Patrick. Always a pleasure. Enjoy the tournament. Will do, and uh, we'll also be keeping an eye over the weekend on the Barstool Little Play event out in Arizona. Uh, Dorothea Forbridge from ECU, the all-time scoring leader out there. Uh, Coach Buford, I think, uh, out there with her as well. So best of luck to them. Uh, we'll be back to wrap it up next. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. The official siren sounder tonight, Greenville native, Row High alum, Petey Pablo for the Canes game tonight, 8 o'clock, CNBC if you're so inclined, game two of the divisional series against uh, the Predators, better siren sounder than Petey Pob or Governor Wimpy, because he did game one. Uh, come on, Petey Pablo all day. What kind of question is that? Uh, speaking of uh, the Canes tonight, over $200 for a ticket on the secondary market. How about that? Makes sense. Yeah. Not surprised. so. Governor, uh, in his budget, proposing money that will go to NASCAR and other racetracks, racing-related tourism, you think he'll include a speedway in there? Or probably not. Uh, I don't think so. No, no. <laughs> I had to. Uh, we're off the next couple of days. Pirate Baseball instead. You can uh, check that out here. We'll be with you on social media throughout the weekend and the back Monday for uh, everything that's happened over this next few days at sports. Uh, should be a fun show. So I'll be back then uh, going to the Sports Objective podcast tonight. Ben, you need to fill in for me on that. I'm going to be in bed by then. Uh, we'll uh, see everybody Monday. Go Pirates. Nah. My, they were definitely going to be with me before I even knew what being with the world. Drop 